Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have a bucket list guest. Uh, Joey Redner is very well known in the Tampa area as part of the uh, Cigar City Brewing uh, outfit, which he basically created and sold. He's on to new ventures, uh, which we'll talk about today. I understand that Asheville is becoming uh, front and center as kind of one of your projects that you're working on. And so I wanted to ask you about that. Um, we've got a bunch of mutual friends between Boomer Nichols, Mike Maida, Mike Rideout, uh, and obviously your name locally is somewhat uh, of a, a royal. You, you don't grow up in Tampa without knowing the Redner name. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, man. All right. So uh, are you from Tampa originally? I am. I am. Uh, I was born here. Okay. Uh, Where'd you a, go to high school? I went to Chamberlain. Okay. Uh, with Boomer Nichols. So is that where that relationship started? Yep. All right. Then I forget how it was that he came to know my wife. I I, I, I hate to ask, but I think they might have even dated at one point, which or there might have been something <laughs> there, which I just try and yeah, we'll turn, that. Yeah, turn, a, turn a blind eye to. But uh yeah, so is where is he in Arizona or, or New Mexico? Or he's what's... in he's in Arizona. Okay, uh, Glendale or Phoenix or. Uh, but I understand he might have some designs on coming back. He definitely. Uh, we we stay in pretty good touch. He definitely wants to come back. Yeah. Um. You know, his heart is definitely here, but his kids are there. Right. So. Is he doing any stand up or any of that stuff? Over I think there? he is. He's really good friends with uh, Jimmy Kimmel's sister Jill. Okay. And I think he so when she plays out, he tends to open for her a lot. And he's friends with Kreischer too, isn't he? He, he is. Yeah. He went to high school with Kreischer. That's right. Because yeah. Kreischer went to Jesuit. It. Yep. All right. All right. Did you know that crew when you were? I didn't know. I didn't know Kreischer, but I knew who he was just because you know we were. He was a little bit ahead of me, um, so it just kind of I knew of his name, but I I, I was because he went to Jesuit, right? Uh, and 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 Boomer went to Jesuit, then transferred to Chamberlain. So I Sounds just like knew of him. Boomer would do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think he got kicked out of Jesuit. Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was putting it. I was yeah. putting it nicely. <laughs> um, now you have a couple sisters, right? I do. Yes. Okay, right, but you're the only boy. I'm the only boy. So I have. So I have uh, a half sister and then uh, two two stepsisters. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, young Joey Redner, are you into sports? Uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, uh, football, basketball, uh, never really got into baseball, um, tried real hard. <laughs> right, right. Uh, come from a family that played a lot of baseball, but I just, you know, just never clicked with me. But football is always kind of the sport I love the most. How are the grades? Uh, <laughs> are you a troublemaker? Pretty good kid? Kind of middle I, of the road? I, I was pretty good up until about fifth grade. and then, What happened in fifth grade? <laughs> you no, know, I, 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 I just, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I've always had kind of a... I had that curse of where I had intelligence, but could easily get distracted and get bored by things. And I had the curse of like, you know, I didn't have to try real hard. Right. So then when things started getting harder, I just wasn't practiced in, in trying hard. Yeah. I, um, I, I I got through three of my four years of college without buying any books. And it's always been that, you know, it can be smart enough to get by without yeah. trying too hard. It yeah. can be a curse because, you know, because eventually it does get hard and you need to have the practice of, of trying hard. Right, right, right. Yeah. Did you go to college? I did, yeah, off and on. I didn't start, so I didn't have a traditional path. I kind of like went right to work out of high school. I just wasn't interested. And uh, where were I, you working? Uh, I worked uh, for my dad for a while. Uh, various, at the club was, or was something? Else? I worked at the club for a while, but just I didn't really enjoy tough, it. I, the hours were tough too. Even though I'm a bit of a night owl, that was too much. Uh, and so then from there, I got into video production, always kind of had a bit of a creative side and I got into uh, video production and, and, you know, making shows. I, I made a ton of shows on, um, public access network 
when uh, you know when that was going right. strong. Um, I produced some shows for my dad, The Voice of Freedom. Uh, I produced God. I probably worked if you if you watched a show in the in the early nineties. I either did camera or did editing or or did technical directing. I worked on damn near every show. Were you self-taught or did yeah, you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I took, you know, they do classes there, but I was almost, I, I guess it was like the gym rat equivalent of like a video rat. I right. just would work on anything. I mean, I, I worked on the shows, like the ones where like I would get off one show where where it'd be like a black guy saying kill all the white people and right. go right to the white guy saying kill the black people, right to the You're an show agnostic that, producer. Right, or, the, right <laughs> to the show that was showing boobies, right to the and then I produced like a like a collectible card and comic show. I mean, it didn't matter. I would I would do it just to learn right. you know, how to do it. Right, right. Um, now, uh, I know through us being social media friends, uh, I know through having interviewed your father and just having grown up locally, that politics has kind of always been kind of a a satellite orbiting the Redner world. Was that something that was discussed in your household growing up? Or were you aware of politics at an early age? Or is that something? Yeah, that you know, with my dad, just, you know, being in the position that he was in, you know, it was in the household, at least as a topic of conversation uh, quite a bit. Um, and, you know, especially things, especially first amendment right. type things, um, freedom of expression, things like that were just things that, you know, I mean, at a really young age, I, I, I could almost tell you the first amendment right. verbatim at like eight. Um, you know, and I, tr you know, I tried to, as I've gotten older, I try to not care as much about politics it's not but healthy. It's, it isn't, but it's hard for me not to, it really is hard for it's me. It's a to. dilemma because, you know. Like, this is something that, you know, the last the 2016 election, it fucked with me big time. Like, it was getting in my head. It was affecting my mood. It was taking up a lot of my bandwidth. And I was having, you know, conversations with a therapist. And she was saying, how much do you really think this is going to impact your life versus local politics? And for the past four years, I kept, I keep saying to her, the joke's on you. The joke's on you. <laughs> you know, friends are dying of COVID. So obviously it impacted my life way more than you, you thought it would. But, uh, it's it's hard because you want to at one point say, well, I voted and that's all I can do. But then yeah. maybe that's not all you can do, and that's kind of the, the ebb and the flow that I go through with it. Yeah, I think it's important. I you know I I'm one of those people that I will try to cultivate re relationships with people that I know don't agree with me uh -huh. because I do believe that over time, if they think you're a good person and that you're you know morally consistent and 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 have convictions without being a jerk about it i believe you can change minds i don't think it ever happens quickly but i think at least softens some stance it's a marathon I think, and i sure. think it is and i think when people sort of go off into their corners and their lack of communication i think it breeds it i don't think you have these crazy conspiracy theories without people going into a tunnel and never having you know outside input um, well you look at like the middle east and a lot when we were dealing with al qaeda and all those types of things and a lot of these people like their experience of the outside world is nothing other than, you know, 42 virgins or whatever, whatever the thing is. And so if you've got no introduction to other ways of thinking, yeah. other thought, yep. how can you be blamed for kind of being that mindset? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a sickness. You can't blame someone for having yeah. cancer. It's, you mentioned local politics, and I, did, I really do believe that, that that is more important, at least as far as affecting your life, you know, and, um, I, I think if you can get good local politicians, they do have more direct input. Um, well, one of my spies, one of my plants in your in your orbit, 
told me to ask you about that, but maybe we'll circle <laughs> okay. back to that right. at the okay. end. So how long did you do the production thing for? Uh, I did it for a few years. Um, did you just get burnt out on it or just yeah, other opportunities presented? A, a little bit. Well, it's also just, you know, at some point you have to, you have to try to earn a living and, you know, I wasn't really making any money doing a bunch of free shows. Right. Uh, I worked and I, you know, I made it okay. You know, I made it, I, I pay, I, I ate, you know, but I, I just, it wasn't going anywhere. I decided I would go to college uh, and I just kind of had a, a real slapdash haphazard way. Like I, you know, I started going to community college and I went up to Tallahassee um, and went to FSU and just really hated it and hated being away from Tampa. Came back here, went to UT for a while. And then, you know, finally when, when I was finally wrapped up, um, I was like, okay, well, what now? <laughs> right. <laughs> did having the Redner last name, did that open doors for you? Did that close doors to you? Was it? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there was some that, you know, it just, it was a conversation you're always going to have to have. Sure. You know, I, if, you know, if, if it was Joe Smith, um, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be the association, but it's, it's, you know, it's a weird because it's a recognizable name, but it, it sounds like it would be a common name, but it's really not a not, common name. Yeah, you I don't, don't need a lot of Redners. Sure. Um, what so, is, what is it? Geographically speaking, it's or historic Prussian, like German. Okay, um, and he, so Joe Redner's not my birth father. Okay, uh, he raised me. I mean, sure. he was he signed my birth certificate. He was he he took me in right from the beginning. I'm Cuban on, okay. on my birth father's side. Okay, um, and I'm fifth generation Floridian on both sides. I didn't obviously find that out till later in life. Have you done the whole DNA deal? I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah I found out I was ten percent Jewish, which I thought uh, was really? interesting. I was <laughs> thought I was pretty squarely in the Ireland, Scotland, Norwegian, and then all of a sudden there was ten percent Ashkenazi Jew. Yeah, I am. Yeah, it's funny. I have like. 0.1 percent i called all my jewish friends i called all my jewish friends and they're like you got to start charging yeah. more so that was their little yeah session. i'm i'm almost i'm very classically sort of florida i'm 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 cracker uh you know just english irish they came for the free land and i'm i'm cuban spanish or they came to roll cigars i mean right. it's literally you're, what you're led the to story me. of florida <laughs> yeah. So uh, at some point along the way, you get into brewer, brewing, right? I, I mean, it, it, as I understand the story, and correct me where I'm wrong, is you were into it just as your own personal interest, and then you started writing uh, articles about it. Is that kind yeah. of the gestation of how that? Yeah. Happened? So really, back when I was kind of when I was doing video production. Um, uh, I, I was into beer, but I, you know, cause when I first started drinking beer, like, you know, going back to Chamberlain, um, I, I, how old are you? I'm, f I'm going to be 48 December 7th. Okay. So I'm 45 yeah. December 17th. We're close. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I got a statue of limitations has passed when sure. I was underage drinking. Um, I'll, I'll represent yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I just didn't, I didn't, you know, I could drink beer, but I didn't take a lot of pleasure in it because the beer that I could get a hold of just wasn't very good. Bud Light, you know, yeah, Bud Light, or, yeah, Light. Well, Bud Light yeah. on a good day, Keystone yeah. Light more likely or yeah. Hams or Ice something. Ice House or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just, I was like, oh, this is not very good. I don't see what the big deal is. And, but I think that just, that got me in a mindset of, well, everyone's drinking beer. I don't really like the beer. So anytime I see a new beer, I would just try a new beer. Right. Because it couldn't be worse. Um, and, you know, it, it, it it got me to where I'd be experimental. I'd see, oh, well, was, you know, a Schwartz beer or something because we get a little few German imports, but there wasn't a lot to, you know, in 1989, 90, 91, there just wasn't a lot in Florida that you could get your hands on. Um, but I just always was, you know, I didn't like it. So I would try anything. And then about 90, I think it was around 96, I went to uh, Portland, Oregon for a wedding. And uh, funny enough, it was Greg Baker from the sure. refinery. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was his wedding. Okay. Um, and, and, we were going to McMinniman's brew pubs, things like that. And I'd never really had 
you know, like I'd had I, like hops, I think was open by then, but they were doing like kind of real played down lagers, yeah. real light beers. These guys were doing these big stouts and these freaking super hoppy beers, like, you know, American hops that were grown near there that they're aggressively putting in these beers. And I just had never had anything like it. And, um, and at those days you could just take beer right on the plane and bottles and whatever you wanted. So I just got everything I could. I lugged it back. And then when it, you know, when it ran out, I'm going around, I'm trying to find like little bottle shops that, you know, Hey, do you have this? And no one had ever heard of it. Right. And that's what kind of started me down the path. And it wasn't until probably four or five years later that, that it even occurred to me that you could brew your own beer. Well, where did the writing about it come from? Um, my searches, I'm educating myself. The internet helped a lot because previously, you know, just think about it in the early nineties, the internet was in its nace, you know, it was, it was, it was in its infancy. Yeah. You know, you had a nascent sort of research tool, but a lot of stuff hadn't been, you know, uploaded. Sure. So you still have to read books Yeah, and you have to go from the book to find the individual stores and you have to use an actual phone book or you have to just know they're there and drive around Uh, world of beer out. And I used to make trips out there. Right. um, Because they had beers that you couldn't get anywhere else. But then when the internet hit, you could do a lot more research a lot faster and actually go get your hands physically on the beer because all that stuff was, you know, online. Well, it created a whole new market too. Right. So I just had self-educated myself about beer styles and things like that. And um, it, it also, I, I used to own a place on Davis Island called Yeoman's Road Pub. Sure. Um, and and I, didn't I know you own that, but I know yeah, that I did. a lot I of did. the musicians that come in yep. here all got their start with the open mic over there. So I owned that like uh, in the in the mid two thousands, okay. uh, two three or four around there, and uh, I really started. You know, because now I've got all the freaking order sheets. I can order all these obscure beers directly. And I really turned it into a very craft sort of focused bar. Um, and that really, that education sort of, I, I you know, just self-taught, learned, you know, learned a lot about beer. But someone, someone had written an article or something and had referenced, um, it was about beer, but had referenced Yeomans as my dad owning it. And I just typed in and I said, actually, I own it. And and also, you're wrong about this on the beer and that on the beer and this on the beer. And if you ever want someone to write a column about beer and do it right, I'm happy to do that for you. I was an English and writing major. Right, so right, right. I was being a little cocky. And uh, she wrote me back and was like, okay. And that's how it started. Took off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, get me from there to Cigar City. Um, so, you know, I, I always thought, that, you know, someone, you know, we had Ebor uh, Gold Brewing Ebor, in Ebor, and he was, you know, again, he was kind of doing almost like hop style beers, Umberto Perez. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was just a little bit ahead of his time. I think if they would have hung on, it, you know, it finally would have clicked for them and they would have had a lot more success because he was well-funded. He had a great location. The beer was solid. It was a little more, um, you know, it was a little bit more middle of the road as far as the styles they were doing. Uh, but, you know, they were throwing out brown ales and porters, which for the mid-90s was pretty adventurous. Kinky. Yeah. 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 Um, and and so there just wasn't a lot out there. And I just was – I just assumed someone would open a brewery and be a packaging brewery in Tampa. You, you look at a city the size of Tampa at the, at the time that I started in 2007, but you got to understand my mind is – I'm thinking this in 2002, 2003, right, yeah. 2004. But I'm just thinking – Someone's going to do this eventually, and I'm going to be ready. I'll be ready to work for this guy because I'm, I, you know, I, I understand the market. I know a lot of the, the key people. Like I'm going to be a good employee for this guy, and this guy would just refuse to fuck do it. <laughs> so, uh, so 
I, in asking the questions of why it wasn't being done, I sort of built a business plan. I'm like, well, you know, A, we can get the equipment. All of the, you know, all the, all the cogs are available. We can get them here in Florida. Um, yeah, packaging equipment is expensive, but, you know, you can start out draft only and you can make a run of it. And if you can get a t- tasting room, we have the laws that would allow us to do it. There's this exception for tourism. And I'm like, you can't argue that, that a tourist coming to your place to see where you're making beer isn't tourism. It right. is. Um, the state disagreed with me, but eventually we, I got, well, my- but you guys had a nice, <laughs> nice, uh, quiver of attorneys available who were, you know, I, I'm friends with LaRoe. I don't know if he was ever involved. He in- wasn't. No, you know, yeah. we, we uh, eventually were just able to convince them at yeah. the, at the, you know, at the, but I love that about you and your family is you don't take no for an answer. You don't lay down for the man. Well, you I'll, say, t- I'll take no if it says legally well, sure. I can't do that. Well, but but it, you know, they tried to tell us, well, that's for Budweiser. I'm like, you can't write a law for a company. It just doesn't work that way. If it, if I fit the same thing they fit, you have to give it to me. Yeah. Uh, and I probably did get that from my dad. Yeah. That mentality of you got to treat well, everyone fairly on the about ball. Whatever the place was over here where the cops would run the girls in, they would have another set of girls come up on stage, yep. bond them out. And they were just had this run in the loop. Yeah. yeah. And I was that just was like, uh, God, the night gallery. Well, yeah. So again, and, and I, I'm very specifically interviewing you today. Yeah. I'm not going to ask yeah, you yeah, about yeah. your dad, but I was so impressed by just this organic understanding of social behavior, and it's I, I think that has been passed to you, and it's it's invaluable. It's just something that I don't want to say you can't be taught because arguably he was taught it, you were taught it, but. It, it's rare. And, you know, I love there's just just very basic stuff that he said that sounds so nice. It's like you don't want a guy managing a strip club. It's just a recipe for disaster. And of course, that makes sense. But so many people don't get that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he's consistently had female managers. Well, and he said, you know how you get a guy off the stage is you ask the girls to step down and the crowd will do it for you. Yep. And again, so simple. But it's just these simple solutions and these very easily understood kind of ways of dealing with things that so many people skip over looking for these, you know, esoteric ways to address issues with the simple answer being, you know, the most immediate kind of that Occam's razor type of situation. So in any event. Yeah. uh, And again, with you, you know, looking for who's going to be the guy that's going to hire me at some point, you're like, well, I'm the fucking guy, you know, like that's, that's the easy answer. And that's how, that is definitely how I got there. I was like, look, you you can do this. And you know, it's, I felt like I had done a math problem and I was the only one getting that answer, which is scary. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, you're 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 looking around. Yeah. You're looking around and everyone else got a different answer than you. And I'm like, but no, I believe that this, it will be profitable. Um, you know, this is what it costs to make it. This is what it, how you get it to market. This is what you can sell it for. You, I, this could be profitable. Before we go down the Cigar City Road, I want to ask you this. And I asked this of uh, Greg Spadaccini, who uh, does Spaddy's Coffee. And this is interesting to me because you look at the wine model. You look at Napa Valley. You look at Sonoma. And then uh, obviously over in Italy and France and all these places, you have a very specific climate that is required to be able to do what you do. And then with coffee, it's a little bit less specific. South America is kind of where it's at. And talk to you maybe a little bit about the made coffee venture. But uh, with beer, tell me, because I'm really naive in this regard, is is there beer, is there barley growing areas? Is there a very specific type of climate? Are there, like, what w- w- what's that world? Kind of the, before it gets into your glass, what is it that you're looking yeah, at? Yeah, so, you know, with the barley, so, you know, in wine you have terroir. So yeah. it really matters where it grows. It's going to have, you know, specific, you know, uh, notes flavors based on based on the growth and based on the weather you don't with barley 
um, you know, because it's 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 malted, it, you're going to sort of denature whatever sort of happened there anyway. It's you can sort of more lock it in. It's where you get tour in, in beer is more in the hops. Okay, um, hops that are grown in the pack northwest uh, will have different expressions in hops. What are in. hops? Is it a hops are are so it's a, it's a um, it's a it's a a vining plant okay. uh, that's related. It's it's a botanical cousin of marijuana. Okay, um, really? Does, yes, yeah. I did not know yeah, that. It's a botanical cousin of, of marijuana. It doesn't have THC, but um, but you know it it grows like a weed, like you know, like weed does. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a climbing vine, and you know it needs a lot of sun, but it, it, but it needs an environment that's not you know like in Florida we have lots of sun, but it's the the uh, humidity is just not right. It needs that's why it tends to grow in the Pac Northwest, so Washington. Um, uh, Oregon, big, big hop growers. And then you get a lot in New Zealand, Australia. What about like Germany and the Bavaria? Ger- I mean, Ger- uh, yeah, yep. Oktoberfest, Ger- I have yeah. to imagine they got some kind of. A lot of hops. Uh, they, they have more of, uh, you know, they, they don't have quite the. So each region sort of has its own expressions. Um, the Pac Northwest hops tend to be a, a lot more um, alpha acids, a lot more IBUs, or you can grow, you can grow sort of some of the traditionals. Uh, and England grows a lot of hops too, but they tend to be hops that are less of the what you would use in like an American IPA right. and more of what you would use in like a Pilsner or a subtle lager or a or a nice English ESB. They don't have a lot of bitterness. They're they're more flavoring. Um you can grow there's exceptions to every rule, what I'm saying. But in general, each each hop region does produce d- different types of hops. So what you've done, the the products that you put out, has that been primarily from the Pacific Northwest? Um, we, you know, because of because of us being in the U.S., yes. But there are just some beers that you've got to have hops from other regions. If I'm making a lager, um, if I'm trying to make something that's more of an American type type, type lager, I might use American hops. But if I want a traditional uh, German or Czech pills, I'm going to use hops that were grown in that region. Now, another thing that I uh, learned about in, in my interview with. Uh, Mr. Spandacini was uh, the the notion of ethical the uh, ethical farming of the beans that you're using in your coffee. Is there a similar sort of consideration in the beer world, or is I, it just kind of a different animal? I think entirely? less so, just because most of the traditional hop growing regions are first world countries, so they have and a they, lot of yeah legislation in effect yes. that's not screwing the worker right. out of. Yeah, you know, if you think about you know the, the traditional hop growing regions, even before it came to America, you know it was Germany, yeah, it was uh, England, right, uh, and so they just it's not like South America r- where you have you right. Know, well, we have much. we have first world people coming in and taking yeah. over and 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 just hiring the locals for what they b- right a pittance, yeah, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, so there's less of that, um, and you know, but you you mentioned coffee, and it just not you know you. It matters where the bean is grown, but no one no one is ever going to drink a cup of coffee and be like, oh well, the bean was grown there, but it was roasted locally. That sucks. Yeah, you know, with wine, if I said, well, I'm going to get grapes from California and make them here, you've lessened that experience already, right? right. Uh, by by the fact of that you've moved the grapes from there and they weren't actually made into wine back in California. Right. You don't have that with coffee. You don't have that with with beer to a large degree because you know that nothing, almost virtually nothing that is going into a beer made in Florida came from Florida. Right. Um, you really can't grow so the it's barley. Not so here. Tied to the geography, it's not. It's not. I mean, you still want the for for the expression to be true to style. You want it to come from the right geographies, but it's perfectly acceptable to take those from other areas, put them here, and, and assemble them here. You would never do that with a wine. You're not. You're not going to. You're not going to. You know, bring. Right. I'm not going to bring Bordeaux grapes in and make a Bordeaux here in Florida. It's not. <laughs> yeah, just no one wants that. In Gulfport, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Cigar City Brewing uh, was what was the genesis there? I mean, was this? Did you? 
say I want a partner, I want to do it on my own, you know, I want to work with dad, I don't want to work with, like, how did that whole thing come um, out? Yeah, so, you know, I always thought of doing it on my own, and and it just because I, not even that I wouldn't take a partner in, I just didn't think anyone would want to, because again, I'm doing the math and thinking, well, I'm sure it'll work, but I'm not sure that I can convince anyone else. Right. And, and I, you know, I ran into a lot of that, you know, people would be like, well, you know, what happened to Hobbs? So they go out of business. I'm like, well, that's more of a restaurant model. And, you know, I mean, it's not like they were flashing the pan. They're still around. They're around 30 years. Right. You know, it's um, – and then, you know, it's it, I, I had to explain the difference between a brew pub model and a packaging distribution model um, with a tasting room. And, it, you know, I, it, so I just kind of thought I'd do it myself. And I started um, – you know, I was just – I was going about doing it. And my dad basically said, look, you know, I'll loan you the money. Um, and that's what I loved. Yeah. About him is he's, well, he know, knew I was doing it anyway. Well, but him being your dad <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean a signed check. Oh, no, God, no, no, I mean, it, it might yeah. be easier to get a loan from a bank. So, yeah. so, so he ended up loaning me, uh, the, the largest portion of the, of the startup money. Um, and it was, it allowed me to basically just expand my plans instead of doing like a one barrel, I could go do a, you know, a 15 barrel with nice, you know, I could start up pretty nice. Uh, by today's standard, I still started up you know, like, uh, like a popper. I mean, right. it's, you know, it's nothing to spend three, four, five, six, seven million dollars on a startup. Now I was all in for under eight fifty with cash still in the bank. Right. Right. Um, and, but it, I mean, it, it, it seemed from an outsider's perspective to have, well, we ran up. lean, we ran lean. My wife had a good job at the time doing telecom. So I didn't have to pay myself anything for a full year. Right. I just paid my brewer and, I, and then I was free labor. Uh, and that allowed me to just channel, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but not paying someone 35 grand a year that's, when you have a lean budget, that all goes back into the business. You're then able to pay somebody I buy, else. I can buy two more tanks or I can buy another, I can hire someone else. Right. It really did help us. Um, to sort of accelerate the growth, growth. And then, uh, at that, you know, as I realized it was going to be successful, I went to my dad and said, look, you know, I can, we can, I, I can pay you back Scale this or I can give and, you equity. Yeah. What do you, where do you, what do you want to do? And he, he smartly chose the equity. Right. Right. When <laughs> so, did it, when, how long in did it become profitable? Uh, fairly quickly. Um, you know, profitable, profitable in a brewery is relative though, because you're always chasing growth. Well, sure. And so, yeah, I have the money to buy tanks or yeah. to buy extra equipment, but uh, you're not, I wasn't putting any money in my pocket for over a year. And that when I say putting money in my pocket, I mean, just paying myself a salary. Right. I didn't put myself on payroll for over a year. Uh, and I don't, I mean, I probably didn't take a dividend until 2000 and. 11 maybe right so that's uh three four four or five years now did the idea to sell it was that something that you were thinking about or is it someone that it, someone brought to you it, or well so i never put a shingle out and said we're for sale it's just you know we were having massive growth in a state where there wasn't a, a really a craft craftier presence and there's a lot of people um so that attracted people yeah. uh and people just started coming and i'll always take the conversation i'd love for you to tell me what you think my business is worth yeah um and what but you know, I just took them out out of courtesy and to gra- gather information. I, it wasn't I wasn't planning on selling. What really got me in the mindset of selling is that you know this little brewery that I set out to create that was really uh, I I expected it to be a niche brewery. It was becoming a production uh, like grocery store six. I would see highlight brewery. everywhere. I mean, yeah. I, I it, it, was it distributed over in Europe? Because I, I feel like I was over there one time and yeah, I saw it. Well, at times it was. I mean, yeah. we, the way, you know, early distribution plan was, uh, where's cool to go? That's where we'll send beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, that right. really was right, the early right. distribution plan. You can expense um, a trip over there and exactly, meet with the reps. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, as, as it grew, I just, I found that I don't like running big, 
super complicated things. I'm, I like to be able to be hands-on. Um, and you know, to, if, if kegs need to be washed, I like the idea that I can go chip in that way. Uh, whereas I just found myself constantly having to manage much more of the big picture stuff and I can do it, but I didn't want to keep it. It's to me, it's like, you know, I can do it, but I don't want to do it. And so how long are you going to do it? Well, so it's funny because this is a conversation I have about judges and presidents is I don't want a judge to want to be a judge. I don't want a president to want to be a president. You know, most of the people that are qualified and have the correct kind of psychological balance that doesn't make them a complete narcissist, they know at the outset, this is not a job that I want. So very much in a similar way to what you're discussing. Yeah, I found out quickly that I didn't want to. And just, you know, the kind of person I would have to be, you know, you know, when you when you're a distributing brewery, you're distributing to a distributor who he's he, he's doing capex. He's reinvesting in his business every year. He doesn't want to hear that you're not right um, because if you go to him and say, "Well, hey, I'm, no growth this year," he's going to go to you and say, "Hey, no problem," and he's going to go talk to another brewery, and you're going to be deprioritized. Right, right. You have to keep up with their expectations of growth, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not I'm not poo pooing that. I'm just saying then I've got to go out and borrow a ton of money, put that money into the business. And where I thought I was being successful, I just got into more debt. Right. And I'm a debt adverse person. Right. So, well, so that's, that's what I'd heard. And I'm not going to talk dollar amounts, but what you sold that for versus probably what you could have had you sat on it for a little bit longer, maybe talk to more people. I mean, your dad talked a little bit about this when he was on. The numbers are just chilling. Yeah, I, I think I sold at the right time. I think the appetite for for these transactions because they were starting to get a little heady. Um, I, I did something that most of most of the people that have sold didn't do. I I still own equity. Yeah. Um. I, I you know I have uh I, I've got more cash value in Cigar City now than I ever did. Right. Um, because it's just what I rolled over with equity. Um, right. And it's just now that I have a little diversity in the play um, because I don't just own Cigar City. I have Oscar Blues. I have Para and I have- But what was the Brewbus Sc- deal? The Brewbus was something that my that that my dad, my old president of Cigar City Brewing, who had worked for my dad, Tony Derby, she worked for him for years, um, pr- way prior to, to any brewery um, thing. So I've known her literally since I was probably- 12 years old. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, long time um, beyond even just employee. I mean, she's almost part of the family. That right. It's been so long. Um, they decided that, 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 Hey, we've got these breweries are open up. It would be a really cool idea to, uh, to, ha- you know, have a bus that kind of goes around like a food truck for R- beer. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and you know, I, I, I say hey, it's a good idea. I like it. Um, but I just didn't want to be involved with it. I felt like I had enough on my plate and it, to, it would have just been a distraction taking me away. But I was like, sure, you want to start it out of here? And then I contracted, brewed some beer for them so that they would have their own brand that they could serve on the buses. And it really, it just grew out of that. So my sister's involved, my dad, Tony, that's, and that's then her still son, Anthony. around, right? Yeah, they just built a huge re- – so they ended up buying – Florida Avenue Brewery. Um, I was looking at Florida Avenue Brewery just as an additional facility just for barrel aging because we were having trouble keeping up with that at the main brewery because we're trying to make high you know? Yeah. And and I really like doing these. Um, you know, I kind of always had this thing where I was like, we're carving out 10% of, you know, soft, unassigned beer because I want to be able on a whim if we want to go make some beer that that – that strikes my fancy. I don't want to be told, oh, I can fit it in six months. Yeah. I want to be able to, you know, to make that the kind of backlog you're looking at. It was getting pretty bad. Oh, wow. You know, so doing things like, you know, moat water. Yeah. You know, I I wanted to be able to have a space to do that, that, that it was just about that. An off label or a premium label or whatever you want to call it. We were looking at Florida Avenue and then, you know, my guys just ended up thinking it wouldn't be right for the facility. Uh, you know, we would have had to do too much uh, um, facility improvements to make it worth it. So we ended up not doing it. But they were getting to the point at Brewbus where they needed 
uh, facility because, uh, you know, it it created a little bit of friction just because, you know, Tony works for me, but she's also with Brewbus. And then we'd go and, you know, I'd, I'd contract brew a beer for them, but we just got off a call with our distributor going, I need more Hi-Li. Right. And I'm putting in a tank of some, you know, a beer that isn't Hi-Li. You know, it, that's a tough conversation to have. It's, so this worked out great for everyone. It's funny because I think what you're describing as far as the the path that you're making for yourself is the dream of a lot of people. But the way you're describing it, it doesn't sound any less stressful than anything that any of my, you know, divorced attorney friends complain about. Success is a double-edged sword. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's freaking totally beats the alternative. Yeah. But, it, you know, it does create a separate set of problems. You're not sitting around just, you yeah. know, yeah. counting it, the days. It's like playing a video game. You don't, you know, you don't know – you, you know, you want to get to the next level, but then you get to the next level and you got a whole bunch of new things that you sure, got to deal sure. with. So um, after you sold Cigar City, what was your primary focus? So, you know, I was still pretty active, well, fairly active in Cigar City, at least at a big picture way, you know, I, but just more board meeting type stuff, which again is not, you know, it's not my, it's not my druthers. So right. I don't want to be sitting there, but you know, those things had to be done. And I, I tried to be available to do the, the the things that were the most important marketing type things, meeting with distributors because as we're expanding into other states, you know they like they want to meet the founder, they want to know that you're still active and involved. Know and your I story was, and that yeah, you're behind the product. Um, but I, but it allowed me to sort of segue away from the more day to day direct op stuff, which is just not something I love doing. Um, because you, you know, again, like I was kind of getting into, you borrow this money, you've got to get a little ruthless. Um, and I, you know, I, I like to, if some guy wrecked the forklift into the, into the cooler and it had to be 30 grand, then I don't have to fire him on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But, if, but if you start doing that consistently and you can't make your payments to the bank, they take your company, you've got just, you got, you, you can't be yeah. as chill as you could when it's all you paying your own cash that you generated in profit. Right. Um, so I, I was happy that to be able to segue from sort of being in that position of, you know, having to make that decision yeah. or being a guy that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I I had still had other things going on. I mean, Cigar City Cider and Mead was not part of the deal. So I'm still, I'm still active in that. Um, And then I just had other small investments that I could, I could mentor and give advice, but not have to roll my sleeves up and be operational. How did you meet Rideout? Um, I met Mike. So um, I just, I'm a, Made coffee drinker, I I, I I guarantee I drink more made coffee than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, I'm two to three a day of the cans, and I just love the product. I loved how it looked. I loved how it felt. And um, one of my partners in another business um, used to work with Mike, and I just had mentioned how much I love made coffee, that I, that that's a company I would invest in. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, oh, I know I know the founder, Mike. And yeah. so he, he he set us up, and they happened to be raising capital right around then. So that's how it segued. did you guys train together too or no? No. Oh, I no. thought you did the MMA. With no, 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 oh, okay. no, no. All right. So that's how I met him. I met him uh, through jujitsu. Oh, and okay. he's, a, he's an interesting cat because uh, until you get to know him well, he doesn't say much. And he's kind of got this way about him, you know, he's dead eyed and just kind of look around and he used to scare the shit out of me at jujitsu. I could see that. Yeah. But, but then if you can kind of break through that, the, you know, the, the icy exterior, he's kind of a sweetheart, but yeah. So yeah, we found out we had the same birthday. So they're just that kismet there too. Is right. Like, oh, that's right. cool. So um, where, 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 where's the whole make coffee deal? So right now, uh, so me and Mike, so are, the extent you can talk yeah, about me, it. Yeah. Me and Mike are working on, on, cause he, j- he just, you know, I think he, 
he maybe sort of a little bit like me, like he, he, he did it, but he didn't see it as a, his identity, you know, starting made coffee. Um, and he wants to look into doing other things. So we, he really loves craft beer. So we're right now exploring opportunities where he can work in the craft beer space on that side. And he's still sort of coaching me because I want to learn more about the coffee business and be more active at made. Um, so we're sort of kind of, working on how we can switch each other's roles, how I can be more in coffee and he could be more in craft beer. Well, it's interesting because the the setup of those two, I don't know if I'm using the word verticals right. I always feel very important when I talk about verticals. That works. Um, <laughs> very similar. I mean, you can kind of, I mean, at some point they kind of take their own, their own direction, but you know, so this, this yeah, I've always said it takes a lot of coffee to make beer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But but the thing that I love about coffee, and this is what I was talking about with Spadaccini, is you uh, at some point uh, recently I, I learned the concept of obstacles to entry as a as a business concern. The the broader the the more breadth of people you can reach with your product. Um, the more profitable it can be. And although there's not a lot of seven year olds drinking coffee, you don't have that legal age issue that you have with beer and wine with coffee uh, and you don't have recovering, you know, alcoholic issue with coffee that you have with beer and wine. So there is that space that you can kind of exceed what your exposure is with those other areas. Um, but this, this just real quick, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent. It's talking to your dad towards the end of the interview and he's telling me about the, the enterprise that he was doing with the hemp factory or whatever and how, you know, would and should uh, marijuana become legal, the ability to switch over to that is right there. You almost have to change nothing. So that kind of reminds me conceptually a little bit of the beer and coffee yeah. um, type of thinking, which which I love. Um, now, Asheville. Uh, I went to Asheville. I've been to Asheville. You know, I, my family used to own a, a house up in Balsam Mountain. So I had an upbringing there. But recently, as an adult, went to Asheville. And I didn't I didn't understand what that place was to beer. I don't know why it's that way. I don't know how that was chosen to be that way, but it's it's insane. It's literally Napa Valley or Sonoma of beer. Yeah. I, I think a lot of what led to it is just the legal climate is very favorable to open a brewery there. That the taxes are high, but if you own a brewery, you can self-distribute, you can own multiple locations. It just, you know, talking about barrier to entry, if you can if you can cobble together the money to to get your system in there and make beer, well, you can put it on your truck and take it to the accounts you choose to, and you, you know, you capture another 30% margin and 30% kicker on on your sales probably helps. Right, right, <laughs> and right. We don't have that in Florida. Now, I, I if again cuz I don't know what's off limits and not off limits, you'll give me the the you know, shut up sign if, if I need to. Are have you been looking up there for something to do? I mean, is that something that interests you? Um, well, so I, I I had a buddy up there who has a brewery outside of Asheville in Bryson City. And and we, you know, we, we've discussed, um, you know, kind of partnering up and we got pretty far down the road. I, and I don't know where that sits right now. Uh, the climate has changed a lot too, Obviously, just with, okay, yeah. you know, with COVID and them being shut down. Um, I own a building up there where there is a brewery. Um, so it's possible that one day I'm, I, sure. I go up there and, and, and make beer, but right now I'm not. And then, you know, uh, with, with Canarchy, which is, you know, what Cigar City is in now, the, the, the collective, the overall is we, you know, we have a brewery in Brevard. Wayne Wombles, my head brewer at Cigar City, he now lives in North Carolina and, and, you know, he's, he's overseeing all the quality control because we brew a lot of highlight in yeah. Brevard, just outside of Asheville. So um, the other thing that I love, uh, I bought this building in 2017, and, I, and again, I've, I'm kind of Forrest Gump my way into everything. Like I, I <laughs> never, <too. laughs> I never really by design luck out. It just kind of happens. But 
I love what's happening in the Heights with a lot of these breweries and you're seeing them in St. Pete. And I mean, it's really the culture's taking off from an entrepreneurial perspective, which I think is great. But I mean, you, you, you're, you've got to be seen as the father, grandfather, you know, I don't know how many generations we'd consider ourselves <laughs> in at this point, but you're somewhat the prototype of, of that, would you say, or? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, yeah, it's, yeah. you're I, a I humble think, guy. I yeah. Get, I think, you know, I, with Cigar City, I just looked at breweries that we're already doing this in other states and, and said, well, well, I mean, they work there. They should work here, right? Yeah. Um, so it's it funny, though, because, you know, I so my dad had a house right here on on floor, uh, 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 Morgan and Columbus. Yeah. I have ridden my bike as a, as a 12-year-old kid up and down this street so many times. Uh, it used to be the Blue Ribbon Grocery Store and across the street was the Gold Ring. Like, I, I lived, lived in here. this neighborhood yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Well, you know, talking to Greg uh, when he was in here, you know, he was talking about kind of the first wave of the Heights and, you know, kind of what happened with his restaurant. And, and, and uh, you know, he kind of had a, a bleaker outlook on where the Heights was uh, going. I, 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 I hope he's wrong. He, I, he might not be. But, um, you know, because I think it's I think it's there's a lot of great things here. I love being a part of it. Um, with the, the the brewery scene, you know, you got the graffiti going up everywhere. A lot of these restaurants. I I hope it can survive COVID and kind of survive some of the other stuff that's happened. But I I don't I don't yeah. really know how that's going to go. I I don't think he's totally wrong. I just think you you just got to hope that he's wrong enough yeah. that it's still cool. After. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but he's probably not. He's probably not wrong enough. So what are you spending most of your time on these days? Uh, I, I, I'm at Cider a lot, Made okay. a lot. I was at Made yesterday and then I uh, had to run some coffee over to Cider because uh, we're trying a filtration test just to try to dial some things in. Um, you know, I, I, I like, I really do like variety. Yeah. Um, I like it in beer, but I like it in work too. So I love the ability to pop around to different things and, and, you know, and, you know, those emergency calls where there's a problem, those annoy a lot of people. Um, and, you know, if I get 10 in a day, that's annoying, but I like them. You know, I had, I had a call today for another business with some challenges. I like those things. I like troubleshooting. Fixing like a problem is yeah. a nice feeling. I like tinkering and uh, and I like and I like working with a group of people that that are like-minded towards a goal. Right. Um you know, those are the best scenarios and you have people that are, you know, they they'll they're all willing to roll their sleeves up and get get problems solved. Um, and you know, I've, 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 you know, I've got a few things going. I, I invested in the, the guys just opened magnanimous brewing. I've, I've been longtime friends. Yeah. With drive them. by that looks, I, yep. I want to stop by there. It looks great. Yep. So I like to, you know, I, I, I like to stay in touch with them. I've built a, a contract brewery in Largo. It used to be a brewery, um, went into bankruptcy, unfortunately, and I needed a place for cider production. Um, so, uh, uh you know, it kind of just evolved out of that that, Hey, if we're, you know, if I'm going to be keeping the tanks here and there's a brew house, we might as well brew beer. So Tim Ogden, yeah. who I know you know, he's, yeah. he, he he works there. He's the head brewer there. That's the same one. Okay. Uh, yep. Yeah. And, yep. That's uh, Commerce Brewing, yeah. which, you know, our whole goal. So I learned, you know, when I was contracting for, we couldn't keep up with Highlight Production. We were contracting in a place called Brew Hub in Lakeland. Um, I just learned that if you're going to, if you're going to cater to craft brewers, you cannot go huge. You have to you have to do batch sizes and sizes that that they're currently producing or maybe a little more. You can't you know if they have a fifteen barrel system, you can't go hundred barrel system. Right. Maybe you go thirty. Right. And so you know that's a thirty barrel system. There we could cater to that client, um, and and you know dial things into a way that's aff affordable for them. You know if you're if you're making twenty five hundred barrels a year and someone says oh I need you to c commit to twenty five hundred barrels a year well you know I don't I'm not sure I can double my right, production right right I just want to incrementally add to it right. so you know that's what the goal was is what I'd learned in contract brewing that how I wasn't being catered to as a client and I was big enough actually 
to you know, take on a big commitment. I knew I had the, I had the short change orders in hand. I knew I could, but even then it, I couldn't, you know, I had to move things around because if I want to do something small, they didn't have space for me. Well, the other thing that, you know, just hearing you talk that I love, and this is the same feeling is what an education you have that was not a traditional one. And, you know, <laughs> that was the same feeling I got talking to uh senior is, you know, your, your commodity apart and above of just your knowledge of that specific business is the understanding of the structure that it, it, it's an expensive way to get an education. Well, it is, but it's also, <laughs> it's probably a very unique one that not yeah. a lot of people have, you know, I've been doing law for 20 years and I've, you know, everything that I know, I know it cause I fucked up royally and had to fix it. And so, you know, hard learned lessons are, are, you know, they don't go away. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, true. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. so that's that's but over the life of what you've done, I mean, that puts you in that unique space. Now, do you have kids? I do have four. Oh, you have yeah. four kids. I have four girls. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone says that. Oh. No one goes lucky you. How how old are they? <laughs> uh 13, 13, 10, 7. I've got an almost seven-year-old who thinks she's a 13-year-old. And <laughs> oh my God. She, she, it's like having another wife. I mean, <laughs> like I have the same fights with my daughter that I have with my wife. They both wrap me out to the other one. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, can't get away with anything. So and that's a bunch of weddings you're going to have to pay for too. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I always tell my wife, I was like, I'm going to die of a heart yeah. attack. I'm gonna li- yeah. I'm going to live in the now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, well, I can't, I know you're a busy man, so I don't want to keep you here too, too long. Are you into talking politics briefly sure. or yeah. for not yeah. to? No, I got time. This is my only, this is my only other thing today. Okay. So I, 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 I have through our being friends on Facebook, I, I think we line up pretty squarely on kind of how we see things. So, uh, you know, I didn't get to see the presser yesterday, but I heard about it. Do you think that that is just posturing for the people and they kind of know where this is going? Or? Are you talking about the presser with, that, with Giuliani? Yeah. The, um, leaking, leaking oil. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it is posturing. I think, you know, it, it, you, you go, you know, go to the courts. I mean, they're all getting kicked out. Yeah. The, the judges are looking at this evidence and, you know, I, if it's a vast conspiracy, like it, it would be unprecedented in the fact that you could get that many judges, you know, who got there by so many different means yeah. to all be on board with this. You know, you, you're not going to hit one judge that goes, oh, yeah, this is true. Um, and it, I just it, it, I kind of go back to like, it is it so difficult to think that enough people didn't like Trump that they yeah. would vote against yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, if they're not voting for Biden, is it yeah. so difficult to believe? Because the same people are saying that there's fraud are also the same people saying, you guys hate Trump so much, right? Yeah, yeah. Enough to not vote for him right, right, and right. to actively vote against him. I mean, that seems obvious to me. But, but my question is, to what end is this? Is it, I, is it down ballot people? It, is it to I, start I think a- it's I think it's his brand. I think it's him wanting to push it and he's got enough people to carry the water. He's just not a good loser. And I think- But I'm surprised- McConnell and I'm surprised Graham and I'm surprised some of these people who, although I wouldn't piss on McConnell. Because if he's a kingmaker, why not back him? Sure. You know, because he could, you know, he can run again. That's, uh, that's my joke. You think he will? I, I don't know, but that's my favorite joke to, to give to liberal people. If they get too happy, you'd be like, you know, he can run again, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, oh, well, well, by no means. And this is the yeah. other question I want to ask you. Are we out of the woods? I mean, just, okay. We've got someone less horrible 
And and I'm not a big uh, false equivalence person. Like yeah, I think right, right. I think Biden is substantially better than he is. Yes. So I'm not saying that. But you know, Black Lives Matter issues don't go away. What we do with the police don't go away. What we're doing with marijuana doesn't go away. What we're doing with you know same sex marriage, you know the 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 environment, you know, all those things are still huge problems we've got to address, and we've got to split. You know, depending on what happens in Georgia. Um, the Senate is still going to be Republican. And so, you know, by no means are the next four years Shangri-La, but. Yeah. Um, and, and and the people that are upset, they're going to actively work to make it not, as they have said, that was done to Trump, you know, that they're going to actively work to not make it Shangri-La. Sure. Because, and that's always fun for me to watch is the hard switches of, you know. The, you know, for four years I've been this way and I'm just going to completely revert, you know, for the, the, the country is great. Love America. It's yeah. amazing. And yeah. well, for the next four years, you, it has to be terrible. It has to be horrible. You can't say anything good. You know, it, and what just. What kind of longevity do you think that has? Like, I, I don't know how we go back from here. So there, there was a, someone told me the, the concept of acceleration. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, but if you can't fix something, speed up it breaking oh, so yeah. that you can get to something else. Right. If the country's broken, just go ahead and break it now. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, no, I, no, I've no, I've heard people literally posit that as, yeah. as like, just, you know, like I, I, I've had, you know, people that are ostensibly, you know, like fiscal conservatives, you know, I'll be like, well, you know, okay, you're, you say you're a fiscal conservative you're about balanced budgets, then why are you not upset about, you know, lowering tax income while spending more money, which is exactly what's happened in the last four years is right. we've taken in less into the coffers and we're spending more. Uh, well, you know, it's just, it's more money in my pocket. It's all going to be, go to ruins anyway. I might as well just have more money in my pocket until then. And I'm like, that it's literally the, That's what I'm going to die by 60. So I'm just going to eat all the cheeseburgers and drink all the beer uh, until 59. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's a very American way of thinking, <laughs> isn't you know? it? <laughs> and it's and it's and it's concerning to me. I, I had this. Uh, I was watching a, a video. It was Noam Chomsky talking about. No, I was reading an article. Noam Chomsky talking about Trump, and not that I'm the first person to have this idea, but you know how sometimes there's a philosophy that's out there, but it only clicks into place for you later on. Yeah. And I was looking at the Republican Party, and I was like, this is two parties melded together. You've got this one percent super wealthy you know, exclusive group, but they need to have a voting majority or close enough to a voting majority to make the laws. And so how do they do that? They hitch their ship Morality. to this race, yeah. you know, very antiquated way. And it's like, okay, yeah. if we'll let you kind of, we'll scratch that itch for you, but right. you've got to get us an office so that we can right. cut just, taxes and write laws. And, right. you know, you look out and go, Who, who's a bunch of people stick to, Oh, abortion, uh, war on Christmas people, you know, Christian, like, cause you where can we get a lot of others? And then yeah. you look at the people on Gandhi beach. Those are not the same people. Yeah. You know, those are very different. Yeah. Their interests are very different from each other. Yep. But somehow they're joined at the hip with this party. Yeah. The, the, the people that are they're funding this are the, are, the, are the people that are actually flying over these states. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's crazy. Well, I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, I, I uh, love your point of view online. I love kind of seeing what you've done. It, running a business is interesting to me and seeing how you kind of did it you know, your own way is very appealing to me. And thank you. So in any event, and and plus everybody that we know mutually just thinks the world of you, Mike Rideout, Mike Maida, Boomer Nichols, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, in any event, thank cool. you so much for coming by. I really that. appreciate it. Ah, thanks for having me. Wish man. you the best. Cheers. Cheers.